You're listening to the Clear Creek Resources Podcast from Clear Creek Community Church, located in the Bay Area of Houston. Welcome everyone to the Clear Creek Resources Podcast. I'm Rachel, thanks so much for joining us today. So on this episode, I had the pleasure of having a conversation with Chris Austin about Chris Austin. I asked him all sorts of questions about his life, his family, and his heart as a pastor. Enjoy. All right, Chris, welcome back to the Clear Creek Resources Podcast. Well, thanks for having me. It's good to have you back. Looking forward to it. Yeah, so you've talked about evangelism, and you've talked about leadership, and you've talked about princesses, even. Yes. But today, we just get to talk about you. Oh, that's that's (laughs) awkward. That's awkward for me. I know it is for you, but I'm excited because we've done this a couple times. We've done it with Yancey and recently with Bruce, and we just opened up our 528 building, which is exciting. so exciting. And you're the 528 pastor, um, which we're grateful for. And it's been a long time coming, so it's a good opportunity to just get to know who you really are. All right. Who's 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 the guy? We're going who's behind out there. the curtains That's here right. to see what's back there. Exactly, it's going to be fun. And you're my pastor, so Yay. I love this. This is fun for me. Good. Okay, so we're just going to start with some general questions, just okay. about your role here. So, how long have you been a pastor at Clear Creek? Yeah, so I've been a pastor at Clear Creek for the last 18 years, coming up in April, and so a long time. It's a long time. <laughs> yeah. And so it's been a great ride. So you are the campus pastor at 528, but you do a lot of things. What are some of your other roles? Yeah, so a lot of the roles. Here's some roles I've had over time that I've been at Clear Creek. I've been a student minister. I've been the small groups director. I've been the leadership development director. I've been the go local director. I've been the family ministries director. I've been our campus pastor. So I've had a few of those roles over time. Um, today, um, I'm still the leadership development director for Clear Creek Community Church, as well as the pastor of our 528 campus. So, so you've done a lot, and you still do a lot. Yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm so grateful for you. So, what is your favorite thing about being a pastor? In all those ways, really, because it's all pastoring. For sure, for sure. I would just say people. I mean, in Mm -hmm. general, I love people. I'm a people person. Most nights of the week, I want to be out around people, and so that's Mm kind of why I enjoy that. And part of that is more than just people in general. It's like I love seeing people, you know, mature and grow up. I love Mm -hmm. seeing them figure out really kind of who they are, kind of seeing what are their talents and strengths and passions, and then where can they make the greatest impact doing all that. So. All of that kind of makes me excited about getting to be around people and seeing what God does in the lives of people. That's even like, even whenever you're talking about that, I can hear the this the combination of the pastor with the leadership development. Like, you know, that's just how God's wired you and yeah. it's, it's all together, mm-hmm. which is so true of you. What about the hardest thing? So that was your favorite thing. What's, what's hard about being a pastor? Uh, people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, same answer. Yeah, same answer. But no, I think it's kind of like being a parent. You know, yeah. it's like you you long for your kids to mature. You long for them to get mm-hmm. along with one another. You long to see them, you know, do what they should be doing. And yet we know as parents that doesn't always happen the way we think it ought to happen. And I think the same thing is true in pastoring. Is like we love people, but yet... Sometimes it gets messy and people mm-hmm. aren't doing what we think they ought to be doing. They're not getting along with one another. Yeah. And and yet I think even you see in Scripture in First Thessalonians, uh, First Thessalonians, Paul talks about it kind of like this. He's like, you know, like a like a nursing mother, I was gentle among you. So there is a sense of, <clears throat> excuse me, 
you know, there is a sense of parenting that comes with leading people. And mm-hmm. so there's a time to be gentle. And then he also says a little bit further in First Thessalonians 2, but I was also like a parent where I was encouraging you and I was exhorting you and I was cheering you on. And so it's all of those things that make it fun, but also make it really difficult because mm-hmm. sometimes you, you hurt when you see the people that you love hurt or when they're hurting themselves or they're hurting one another or, you know, and so that's, that's the difficult part, I think, of being a pastor. Well, can I just ask you, because I'm, I'm a parent, I have little kids, and you were, you've were you been a parent for a longer than I have. I was about yeah. to say a long time. But yeah. <laughs> that's I think we'll, yeah, we'll talk about my family here a little bit. <laughs> right. But what do you, how do you sort of handle that whenever things aren't going how you want them to go? I mean, I, that's the hardest yeah. part. What do, you, how, what do you tell yourself? What do you do? Yeah, I mean, part of it, I think, is somewhat, you know, we all struggle with a level of control. And so, mm-hmm. and what we've realized is people are the whole, hardest to control, <laughs> you know? And so in parenting, it's the same way, right? At some point, you try as hard as you can to control every decision your kid makes. And at some point, you realize that's ridiculous to even try to think like that. And so mm-hmm. part of this, how do you release in, in ways to, to allow people to be who they're going to be? Um, trust in the sovereignty of God that, you know, God's ultimately in control. He's got this. And obviously, we still want to encourage. We want to exhort. We want to cheer on in the things that we think, you know, we want to see. And yet, we leave it in God's hands as well, that we're, we're not here to control people. We're here to love people and um, hopefully just release them to be who God's created them to be. Mm, yeah, that's so helpful. That's hard to do. Yes, but, it is. Yes, it is. But that's really helpful. Yeah. So, has anything funny ever happened as a pastor? Day in and day out. I mean, there's 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 plenty of comedy. I'm, I like to laugh, so I, I try to find some humor in a lot of things. But the thing that, I know that's true. One of the things that comes to my mind is I was probably 22 years old, and I was getting to preach in a prison. And it was my first time to preach in a prison. And so um, I actually had a friend that was there. That's how I had the connection. So That's that might tell you like a that, whole like, other story. But Yeah, the first time to preach in a prison, <laughs> as if like that happens all the time. And so I was, I was preaching this prison, and it was a Sunday afternoon. And I go out into the yard that afternoon about 2 or 3 o'clock, and it was in the fall. I can remember because I'm thinking, you know, it's it's football season. These dudes aren't going to want to leave the air-conditioned confines of mm-hmm. their cells or being able to watch the football game, whatever. And yet, that afternoon, I'm standing out in this empty lot with no covering on a slab of concrete, and I see all these men kind of just coming from the yard, all across the yard at all different directions, carrying their chair. And I'm thinking, wow, these dudes are actually coming out here to to hear me preach. And so I'm like, man, I, I better bring it, wow. right? I mean, I better do something, you know, significant here. And I was young and dumb. And How old and, were you? And so I was 22. 22. And so I, I get up there and I start preaching. And I feel like, man, this is a good crowd. Like, they're they're with me, right? And so I'm, I'm enjoying I mean, they're literally a captive audience, right? I mean, <laughs> so, you know, there they are. They're not going anywhere else. And so I get up for a little while. But then the funny thing that took place was this, was all of a sudden this guy starts raising his hand in the midst of my talk. And I wasn't accustomed to that. So I literally stopped my sermon and I say, um, yes, excuse me, sir, do you have a question? <laughs> like, and he's like, no, brother, I'm just praising the Lord. I'm just praising the Lord. And so it was so awkward for me because I felt so silly <laughs> calling on the guy that was simply raising his hand. Why are you raising your hand? So you can tell a little bit of my church background. I wasn't around a lot of hand raisers growing yeah. up. And so that was one of the comical things. So I laugh about that because it was funny at the moment. But then the team that was with me for like the next few years, Anytime somebody would raise a hand in any context, they would go, you have a question or are you praising the Lord? You know, so. That's hilarious. I always thought that was a funny moment. That's great. So if you could be something else, which I actually, I have a guess, but if you could Uh, be anything other than a pastor, what would it be? I'd love to, I'd love to hear your guess. Do you want to hear my answer first? 
Um, let me guess. All right. I, I think you would be a coach. I think ah. you'd be a really, really good coach. I would enjoy that. There's a lot of similarities, probably, yeah. right? You want yeah. to encourage and exhort, and people don't always live up to the expectations mm-hmm. and things like that. Uh, but no, here's here's my answer to that question. Okay. My question, my answer is, I would like to mow lawns. Really? Yeah, like literally, just like, I want to be outside. And it feels weird because yeah. I love people. But yet, it's like there's just something about the solitude of being on a tractor, being on a lawnmower, mowing the grass, mm-hmm. getting to smell the, the cut grass, getting to be out in nature. And the other beauty of that is, after doing what I've done for so many years, is mm-hmm. I get to see an end result like immediately. Yes. And so there's just something I'm like, man, how nice would it be just to go cut grass, see the end result at the end of the day, be out in nature and have a little solitude. So give me a, give me a combine, give me a tractor, give me a lawnmower, and I'm pretty happy. Well, that makes sense. Yep. I've never actually mown a lawn, but oh. it still makes sense to me. But I still, I, yep. I understand what you're saying. So I'm ready. I'm ready for it. springtime. I'm ready for the grass to start growing again. Yeah. So, so um, tell me a little bit about your family. Who, oh, that's fun. Who are your kids? Who's your wife? Yeah, so I'm married to Amy. Uh, we've been married. We'll be married 30 years um, in May of this year. Oh, so congrats. just around the corner. That's so a big, big, one. big anniversary coming up. And so we're looking forward to celebrating that together. So 30 years of marriage. Um, we've got three daughters, um, ages 26 and 23 and 19. Uh, got a granddaughter, another granddaughter on the way, a great son-in-law. And so... That's that's my family, mm-hmm. and I love them. They're yeah. all they all babysat. Yeah. Two of them I babysat. All right, all right, and they're wonderful. Yeah. So I'll tell you a little bit about. Um, so Madison, my oldest daughter, um, she's my favorite daughter. I guess I'm gonna say about everyone else. <laughs> yeah. So my favorite daughter, Madison, who's 26. You the, couldn't wait to yeah. the end to say that. <laughs> no. So she she's my favorite because she's given us a, a grandbaby as well as another grandbaby on the way. But no, I'm just really proud of her. She. Um, She's a travel agent. She also runs a children's boutique, and she's always had a really strong work ethic. I mean, mm-hmm. from early on, like in high school days, she was she was just working hard. So she's continued to just have a strong work ethic, and I just love seeing her being a mom yeah. and love seeing her mature and grow up as a young woman. So that's Madison. She's 26. Mackenzie's 23. She's also my favorite daughter. <laughs> um, she's working on her master's degree with um, University of Texas Medical Branch to be a registered dietitian. Graduated Texas Tech University and is now wrapping up her master's program. And so super proud of her as well. I mean, mm-hmm. she she loves Jesus. She's active serving in the local church and our children's and student ministries and um, just has a real compassionate heart towards people. And then Macy, my other favorite daughter, um, is 19, going on, getting ready to be 20. And um, we kind of joke, I don't know if I should, we kind of joke, Macy's my son, because I didn't have any <laughs> sons. And yet, Macy was the one that she loved to go to basketball games with me, football games with me. And we also call her my son, because like, she never checks in. She's totally independent. She doesn't need anything. She's totally she's con- like you. She's totally content. And so she's good, right? She's like, I'm like, Macy, are you still alive? And so she's like, oh, I'm fine. And that's pretty much the conversation, yeah. you know. Uh, but again, Macy's doing great in college. She's at Texas Tech, um, getting a degree in education and serving in their student ministry out there at her local church. And um, just think she's think the world over. So, so you're an empty nester now. We are an empty nester for the most part. Yes, so, right. Um, we're starting to care for some of our aging parents. And so that's uh, the new season of life that we're in. And so glad to have them around. Mm-hmm. Um, and my, I'll give you a little more of my family. So Matt, uh, Matt is my son-in-law. And I um, love Matthew. Grat- proud of him and what God's done in his life and how he's using his gifts to serve in the church. And so at least gives me a boy in my home, you know, to have 
mat, mat around. And so we enjoy spending some time outside together and going to games together and that kind of stuff. That's so fun. Yeah. So tell me um, a little bit more about Amy. How how did you guys meet? Y'all met in college? Is that yes, right? Yes, we did. Yep. So she was a, a freshman in college. I was a sophomore transfer, uh, just a kind of a small college just north of Lubbock. And so we actually noticed each other um, pretty early on in that first semester, right before school started. We happened to run in some same circles. What did you notice? Um, well, she was beautiful. That was, she that's is. what that's what I noticed. And so, and it was obviously she was just a real kind spirit. And mm-hmm. so, um, so we we kind of caught each other's attention pretty early on in her freshman year, my sophomore year of college. So, what's your favorite thing about Amy? She's incredibly a kind person. Mm-hmm. I mean, just she has a super gentle spirit. I mean, when she's around people, they feel cared for, they feel listened to, they mm-hmm. feel known by her. And so, she's just a real kind. Um, I would say just patient, steady mm-hmm. person. And so that she, she's a good balance for me because I'm running fast and going hard. And um, and so she slows me down. And I just love the way that she treats and loves people. She loves yeah. Jesus. She loves his church. Mm-hmm. So I'm grateful. Grateful yeah. for 30 years together. Yeah. I love her so much. Yep. So I you have a good proposal story that I've heard. <laughs> I, just, I think you should tell how you proposed to Amy. Well, how, how old were you? Oh, uh, we were—I mean, we were twenty and nineteen, I believe, at the time. Twenty and nineteen. And so, part of it was we had—we had been dating for about six months, and we were—I would say—both kind of fairly mature and committed at that point. To like, you know, if we're going to date, then it's probably going to be somebody that we're that. serious about. Still, I and forgot so, that six months. Um, yeah, that's, so we were together awesome. for six months, and I'd—I'd kind of dropped the ball on the college homecoming dance and party that because I was—I decided I was going to work instead that night, and so I kind of left her all alone at what was considered to be a pretty big deal in mm-hmm. college is to go out to this homecoming dance with your date. And so she she never really let me live that down. And so what she thought was happening was really a makeup date. And so a couple months later, I kind of pitched it as, hey, I want to do a makeup date because I really dropped the ball on the homecoming thing. And so I said, I want you to dress up really nice because uh, I want to you know, make up you know, for for not taking my responsibility seriously enough back in October. And so uh, this is December timeframe. And so I showed up in a limousine and a tuxedo and she was dressed looking beautiful. And I mean, it sounds impressive, but it was really a borrowed limousine. And one of my college roommates (laughs) was driving it, you know? And so so it was kind of comical. I mean, it was, it was decent, but it wasn't like, you know, I I didn't go spend a whole lot of money on this limousine. Right. I don't even know what year it was. (laughs) And the driver happened to be my roommate. So, um, so we show, up and obviously she's like, oh, this is really sweet because he's kind of making up, you know, for this missed date. And so we get into the limousine and we're going to drive from our college town to Amarillo, which is about an hour drive. And so back in the day in, in this limousine specifically, you know, I had some fruit laid out and some other things laid out in there to make it feel fancy and had some music playing, but it had a, a VCR player inside this limo. So this kind of dates it a little bit. <laughs> yeah, there you and go. So, there it is. Um, I, had made a, I had made a VHS tape of myself. Um, and so we, <laughs> yeah, I think I burned it. I hope nobody ever finds this VHS. I, find I hope nobody ever finds this VHS tape. And so we get into the limo and I pop in this VHS tape. And so for our younger listeners, it's kind of a big boxy thing that oh, you put so into. Funny. Um, and so all of a sudden this beautiful scenery comes up. She's like, what movie are we going to watch? You in know, the limo. Yeah. In the limo. I mean, so that was already pretty classy, oh, yeah. you know? And so we're going to watch a movie she thought, but then in front of this beautiful scenery, I step in front of this beautiful backdrop scenery and it's, it, it's me 
on video, which kind of was like, this is weird. What are you doing? Um, but I used it as an opportunity to film myself just telling her, all the amazing things that I thought about her, um, which again was probably pretty cheesy and, but very and, and everything, cool. but very uh, romantic, yes. right? Come on, like yes. this is what movies are made Come on, of. Everyone, take notes. This is what movies are made of here, you know. And so, right. um, and so while she's watching it, the last part of it, I say on the video, now turn and look at me, and she looks at me, and I kind of got down on one knee in the back of the limousine and opened up a ring box and asked her if she'd be my wife. And that so, is so awesome. Yeah, so it's a lot of fun. So she said yes, and the funny thing about it was my limo driver. It literally had a, a black window that went up between us and the limo driver so we had our privacy and so I, we knock on the window and he lowers the window and my own limo driver who was my roommate who was driving the limo he didn't even know what I was doing I oh, kept really? it I kept it a complete secret so he thought you were and just so, making up for the date too yeah he thought I was just making up for the date too and so I told him I said hey guess what like we're engaged, and so he was. He was excited oh, for us. That's fun. Yeah, he was excited for us, and took us took us to a restaurant, and we went in inside and ate. And I gave him some shoe polish. I said, "Hey, when we come back out, we're right on the window, just engaged." Oh, so, that's so fun. So we had a lot of fun that you evening. You planned it out. Uh, I, I and thought you're about, patient. I thought about everything to not tell him. That's pretty good. <laughs> yeah. So it was a fun evening. Oh, that's so fun. So. So that was whenever you were, she was 19, you said She was that? 19, I was 20, and, and we 20. married at 21 and 20. So that was a while ago. Yep. We don't have to say how long, but there were VHSs involved. So yeah, 30 years ago. Now you have <laughs> grandkids. So yes. it's totally different life. What's what's your favorite thing about that, about being a yeah, granddad? Yeah, so my, my granddaughter is named Hadley, and so she's six years old now. And so, man, I love being a grandparent, mm-hmm. right? You know, and so... Um, she, um, she calls me pops pops. Yeah. So I'm, I'm pops. I so, like that. um, pops and Gigi are our names. And I'd say one of the favorite things is just hearing that name, right? So uh, yeah. when she uses the name pops, it's just, you know, melts my heart. Um, and we've been close her entire life. So, and so it's been a, a great relationship to just do with her and do life with her mm-hmm. going outside you know, jumping on the trampoline, playing outside in the leaves, riding bicycles together. You know, swimming together is just a lot of fun. Just anything I can do to be a kid with her, I try to be a kid with her. I believe that. Is it yeah. what you thought it was going to be? Because, but so whenever I talk to most people who are grandparents, they're like, "This is so much better yeah. than being a parent." Oh, for sure. <laughs> right. I mean, again, I'm always like, "What? What?" Because I'm not a grandparent yet. Well, it all comes down to some of even what we said earlier. It's like you know, when there's difficult issues, like yeah. you give them back to the parents, right? right so that's, that's the beauty right. of it. And so you don't have to do yeah. all that. And so it's nice just to be a, a friend and a champion of hers without feeling like I have to be the discipline or I have to care for all of her needs, but I get to just come alongside the parents that are already doing most of the work. Yeah. And I just get to have fun. You really have all generations right yes. now. Yeah. Yes. And so we got another grandbaby about to be born. So we'll get to start fresh with a brand new granddaughter, another granddaughter. So, um, yeah, so we're, we're from granddaughter all the way up through our aging parents are kind of around our house these mm-hmm. days. And so from 84 down to birth is kind of my world right now. Yeah. Which I've been over there um, with with them at your house, and it's really beautiful because you really don't see that very often mm-hmm. in our society. But to have everyone in the same house is, yeah. you know, it's really beautiful. It's not just at Thanksgiving; it's all the time, which I know has right. its challenges too. But yeah, there, it definitely has challenges. But I mean, there's just a there's a sweetness to having you know generational mm-hmm. um, generations together. Um, you you learn from each other. It causes you to slow down and mm-hmm. appreciate people that are at different stages of life. It hopefully should cause you to be kind and tender, whether it be a small baby in the room or an aging parent in the mm-hmm. room. You know, and again, I think for me that's a that's a healthy thing because again, I'm a I'm I tend to be driven. I tend to be going fast. 
I tend to be project oriented. And so they've caused me to slow down and just, you know, offer kindness to the seasons of life that are all around me. Yeah. Okay. So we're going to go through some just like quick round, fast questions about your favorite things in life. All right. Are you ready? I guess so. We'll see. <laughs> so we'll Was see. I prepared for this? I don't know. <laughs> we'll see. Yeah. Just some of your just some of your favorite things, just to give us sort of a, a shot of what it's like to be Chris. Okay, so first, what's your favorite meal? What's your favorite food? Oh, that's an easy one. It's sushi. Really? Yeah. So, I'm surprised. Yeah, for this the longest time it might have been just seafood in general, but sushi specifically. And so if if my wife and I are gonna go out, that's gonna be our go to spot. Really? And and man, I'll eat my weight in sushi. I love sushi. So where do you go? Do you have a spot? Do you have a order? Mas- Masa Sushi is nearby. Yeah. And so it's an easy access to, to one nearby. And they do a great job. And so, man, I like it all. Okay. That's that's a fun answer. I'm surprised. Yeah. I thought you were going to say steak. No, I'm, I like sushi. Oh, I like it. All right. So what's your favorite thing to do on the weekend? Kind of back to my second job, right? It's like if I can be outside, maybe doing some landscape, being mm-hmm. on a lawnmower, just being out in nature. Um, that's one of my favorite things to do on the weekend. Or if it's more just being by the water, being near the lake, um, either in, on, or near the water mm-hmm. uh, would be a place that I would find happiness curled up with a, a good book, maybe with a good view. And so... So when you are landscaping or mowing, do you like listen to things or are you just quiet? You just want the space. Yeah. No, there's nothing in my ears. There's no podcast. There's okay. no music. It's just pure nature. And quite honestly, I don't even think about anything. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it really is yeah, a chance just to, to just to unwind, to unplug and just enjoy being in nature. So, so the, you said a, a, a place with a good view. Yep. Is, there, is there a place you're thinking about when you say that? Or is it just any good view? I mean, my, again, I don't know if there's an actual location that comes to mind, but a cool blue lake with a mountain view in the backdrop, um, it's a hard place to be mm-hmm. for me. Mm-hmm. That sounds good right now. Okay, so I have heard that you're coaching some seven-year-olds yes. in baseball this spring um, only because it's my son. Yes. It's his team, which is so great. But why? Why are you doing that? Why would you offer to coach <laughs> Yeah, so I've, coached, I've coached all my daughters. I've coached my granddaughter recently on, on a soccer team. And so, as I said, I have all girls in my life. And so it's just kind of fun for me to go, hey, you know, Maybe I'll get out there with some young boys and and get out there and coach a little bit. And part of that is, I mean, I love sports. I mean, mm-hmm. if there's anything to do with sports, I enjoy sports. Um, I think it'd be fun. I love seeing these young boys. They just have a level of energy that that brings me a smile. They're funny. Oh, they're a blast. <laughs> they're hysterical. Um, and then I think for me, too, it's just a chance to be out in the community, which mm-hmm. I am always want to be intentional about knowing my community and knowing the people in my community and being available and accessible in the community. And so I thought, man, where where is our community at these days, so many people, it's on the sports field so in true. some form or capacity. So, uh, so I thought, well, you know what, I'll give us some of my time. I'll do some volunteer work out in our community and I get to help coach with your husband, which is a blast <laughs> and meeting some new guys that I never would have met before and some of the other parents and things like that. And so it's already been fun. So I'm, I'm counting on us going undefeated when the year starts. That's and, right. We'll see know. about that. <laughs> It's uh, it's so fun, and even just telling people like, oh yeah, in our pastors coaching too, they're like, what? I don't yeah. I don't know how often that happens, but it's it's already like a neat thing yeah. that's happening. And I know you also, I mean, you you go around a lot of. It's not just you know this little league team. Right. You're, you're around everywhere in the community. 
Yeah, I mean, again, it goes back to what I enjoy about being a pastor, right? There's Mm -hmm. people. And so where are people? are not just where do they gather on Sundays or, mm-hmm. you know, when we're hosting events and activities, but where are they just doing their lives? And yeah. so um, I just think it's fun to get out wherever our community happens to be gathered and be a part of that, whether it be a, a local sports place or a parade or local restaurants or wherever they might be. And so uh, that's one of the beauties of getting to have a community church where we, you know, kind of focus on certain geographies where we can really be um, mm-hmm. be available and, and know the people within our community. Yeah, I think... You did such a great job of modeling everything that you mm-hmm. um, preach from the stage, and that's really one of them, just investing in people mm-hmm. and community. Thank you. And so I'm grateful for that. And, it's, and it is, it's motivating. And you just think, oh, I can, I can do that. I can yeah. coach a Little League team. I can go to the baseball park and love people. Right. You know? So speaking of that, you are a leader, and you um, are um, in charge of leadership development. So... What's your what's your favorite leadership resource? Like, what would you tell people? Yeah, so I mean, I I do love leadership, and I don't know where that started in me. I think as a as a kid, and then early adulthood, it just kind of began to emerge that you know leadership was something that I really cared about, and so I spent a lot of time just studying and researching and learning and reading books. So I always laugh when somebody asks me like, "What's your favorite leadership book?" Because mm-hmm. again, in my in my categories, leadership is is so broad, right? If it's uh-huh. you know, you're so how do you lead yourself, and how do you lead others, and how do you lead teams, and how do you lead organizations, and you know all these kind of things. So I typically say, well, what kind of leadership book do you want me to talk about? Because there's yeah. a lot of them out there that maybe fine tune on some of those. But in general, I would say uh, there's some maybe maybe an author that I find encouraging and inspiring when it comes to leadership. So Patrick Lencioni is has written a lot of books on just leadership in general. And I always love his take. I mean, it always helps me to become a better leader, helps me think differently about some things that I might not think of. Um, you know, he's just, he's really good at, at mm-hmm. breaking down some of the, the things that it causes us to be good leaders. Um, I think about, you know, even his book on five dysfunctions of a team that's on team leadership, but so much of that is just interpersonal relationships and leadership and how do we treat people and, how are we treating people the way we want to be treated? And it goes back to the golden rule, like mm-hmm. treat others the way that you want to be treated, you know? And so it all comes back to just, you know, our responsibility as Christians to, to love well mm-hmm. and to improve the, the people around us, the systems around us. And so that's, that's why I have a passion for leadership. Yeah, I think that's so helpful. I, I mean, it, it always goes back to who you are and how you're mm-hmm. loving people. Which again, you do you do so well. This is an easier question. Uh, what is your favorite movie, or is that an easier question? Yeah. Well, again, I mean, I, I raised three daughters, so I'm not like this um, tough dude kind of movie person. Like uh, romantic comedies are kind of my go-to movies, you know. So <laughs> hey, I am so surprised yeah. today. Sushi yeah. and romantic comedies. Well, I mean, you had me do a podcast on princesses, right? It's like <laughs> I lost my man card then. <laughs> That's true. Uh, I might have just lost it again with my favorite being rom-com, right? So, but your favorite activity is mowing. So yes. You're fine. Okay. Great. Yeah. So I like to get out and mow. At least I didn't say planting flowers, right? right. So. Um, no, so my favorite movie is a rom-com. Two of my favorite two movies are rom-coms, right? So the first one is Hitch. Oh, I like, love that see? movie. I mean, I think it's everybody good. everybody loves that movie. Yeah, and again, you can turn it on any channel almost any night of the week, and it's going to be on somewhere. Yeah. And so Hitch is, is one of my favorite movies. And then this is... This is maybe being too um, um, vulnerable, right? My next favorite movie is The Proposal. The All right. Proposal. Sandra Bullock, oh, you know, Ryan really? Reynolds. I mean, it's a great movie. <laughs> Again, I'm being vulnerable here with you. And so <laughs> I need to watch it now. But also raise daughters, so that that kind of probably. Well, why shaped is that me. one your favorite? I've never seen it. 
You haven't seen the proposal? No. It's just oh, good? Oh, it's, it's funny. funny. Again, I like to laugh, so there's yeah. a lot of comedy there. Um, so yeah. go check it out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I you know, I love uh, intense movies, but more and more, I, I think I just want to watch something and laugh. Yeah. Because that's really why it's I'm watching a movie. good for our soul, right? Yeah. That's what I want to do. Okay. So that wasn't super fast, actually. Yeah. But um, that was probably my fault. <laughs> so let's talk a little bit about your campus that yeah. just opened, 528. So it's been um, a long road to get to a building. Tell us, for people who don't know, who aren't part of 528, what does that look like? Yeah, so 2007, when we even thought about doing a multi-site type model, um, we we thought, okay, we'll, we'll put it over in this community and we'll immediately you know, begin to look for available pieces of property or existing buildings that we could call home. And so, I mean, that was the plan from day one. And so we started out in schools and bounced around a little bit, but the idea all along was to find a permanent location. So from 2007, um, really for the next 10 years or so, we researched and tried to make offers on about 25 different pieces of property. And just none of them seemed to work out. And so we became a portable church set up and tear down every week in a school. You know, for really, we ended up doing it for a completely 14 years. Um, that wasn't ever our intention was to do that. And yet somehow we just didn't find the place that was the right piece of land to purchase or the right building to renovate um, until about 2015 when we actually purchased a piece of property and we thought, okay, now we're moving fast. Mm -hmm. And that ended up taking us another seven years to actually get a building built on that piece of property. So even though we purchased a piece of property, it took us another seven years of portable church before we were able to actually build something and move into that. So it's been a long journey. Um, It's been a lot of intentionality to try to make it happen. It's just been... um, you know, God had other plans apparently, mm-hmm. and we are where we are for a reason. I actually thought whenever I first asked you, what's the hardest thing about being a pastor? Yeah. I thought you might say that part of it. Maybe that's just different, but I mean, it's, I think people sometimes don't realize how much effort it takes yeah. every Sunday and just how complicated it is just being bouncing around and then, yeah. you know, all the effort that you put in just to make the building happen. Yeah. I mean, from meetings and For designs sure. and, you know. Yeah, I mean, you know, being in a portable church definitely has its unique challenges. The The beauty of, you know, the people of Clear Creek Community Church yeah. is they're incredibly um, selfless. So and, true. And so the fact that, you know, we've had so many different volunteers over the course of these 14 years give so much of their time, so much of their energy, so much of their gifts um, to just make it happen, whatever. I mean, it really was do whatever it takes to make it happen, Mm -hmm. you know, week in and week out. And people have stepped up. And, you know, I think they stepped up for multiple reasons. One, they they believe in the mission of providing a place for our friends and our neighbors to come and have a place. And so they believe in that mission. They, they love Jesus and they love the local church and they love their community. And so when it's not selfishly motivated, but it's more mission motivated, mm-hmm. um, you see people really rise to the occasion. And I believe that we have just a lot of people that are on mission. And so they were willing to do whatever it takes to make it happen. Mm-hmm. So um, as, as hard as it was, is tons of great joy just because of the people we got to do it with. Mm-hmm. So 
uh, we opened the campus on Christmas and we're still, so you're still moving forward with opening. Yeah. It. We're still putting in sound systems today. They weren't ready yet. And there's, there's still stuff out on cargo ships that haven't arrived yet. And so we're making it happen, but yes. we'll eventually get there. So what, what's been sort of the most exciting part of that? Has there been a moment when you're just like, wow, this is, this is really awesome. Uh, probably, I'll, I'll mention two moments um, specifically. One, before we opened it up to the public, um, we had our volunteers in the room together. One, it was some of their first time to see the building completed, built mm-hmm. out. I mean, our, our teams and our volunteers, they went out there to pray on that land. Mm-hmm. Our teams and our volunteers have been out there to, you know, when we had a, a groundbreaking ceremony with the dirt, they've been out there when we had beams only to, you know, sign beams with names of friends that they were praying for. So they had been on the property, they've been in the space, but that was the first time our key volunteers were actually in the space as it was built and they could really see it all coming together. And the thing about it was is they were there not to say, oh man, I'm so glad we don't have to set up and tear down anymore. Yeah. I mean, they were there going, man, I've got friends that I've been praying for that this is going to be a place that they're going to come and we're going to pray that God impacts their lives. It impacts our children. It impacts our community. And so that was a really sweet moment. Um, really just to be with our, our key volunteers mm-hmm. in that place and to pray together and to celebrate that. And so that was really special. Um, I think the next piece of the the moment that's really been special is when the doors did open to the public and just to see, you know, hundreds and thousands of people start to trickle in over the last five mm-hmm. to six weeks. And for so many of them, we're hearing stories of, I've never been in church before. Mm-hmm. I lived across the street and I've been watching this church come up. One of my friends has been telling me about this for a while and I decided to come check it out. And so just to see um, not only what it means for our church family to get to have that space, but also to see what it means for our community and for our friends and our neighbors. Yeah. And um, so that's been pretty special to, to gather with a lot of new people as well. It's been, um, to me, it's been sort of amazing to see that because especially like during COVID and stuff, there's a lot of sort of chatter about like, do buildings matter or not? And then we open this building and I mean, it's a unique moment, but it has been amazing. All the people coming in and how beautiful and exciting that's been. All the people who don't go to church, it's just been so fun. It's exciting. And it is good to have a space, right? I mean, again, we've we've done it in schools and everything like that, but to have a, a permanent location in a community, you know, allows people to know, okay, okay, those people there, they're, they're all in, they're there. Mm-hmm. Right. And so they see us every day of the week when they drive by, they know that we're there. And quite honestly, that what that does for some people is like when they're ready to take that step, they know we're there. And so we mm-hmm. can be receptive and it's a sacred space when we gather to together for worship and teaching and prayer. And so it creates a place where people can be encouraged, but it's also what we like to say. It's also a sending place where we're being sent out from there to go love our neighbors and make a difference in our community. And so mm-hmm. We're glad to have it. It's been a, it's been a fun journey, but it's not our destination. Um, it's just part of the journey. But we're we're glad to be in a new f- facility. Oh yeah, and so many people who um, from our church who aren't at our campus maybe haven't experienced that have been a part of that. Oh for sure. So it's you know it's so fun for them to sort of hear you talk about mm-hmm. like this is what 
it's yeah. like for us. Yeah, and that is the beauty of Clear Creek, right? We're one church in multiple locations, so um, people have given generously um, to make this type of a space available, and we've seen that in our history to be able to do that in other mm-hmm. locations as well. Uh, people have prayed diligently um, all of this time, praying that God would provide a space, but also just praying for the ministries that were taking place in that community as part of our campuses. Um, people have been praying diligently about that, and so it is fun to be able to celebrate that, not just as as the 528 campus, mm-hmm. but to celebrate that as Clear Creek Community yeah. Church. So I know this is probably a big question, but um, before we go, I just want to ask you, what what is your, what's your hope? Like if yeah. you had one, if one prayer for the next five years for, uh, whether it's our church or, or, you know, our campus at 528, mm-hmm. what is it? Yeah, I mean, it's hard to say any one thing, right? Because, again, there's dreams that we have. And so, obviously, I mean, we do dream of of a facility and a place that when we gather together, that people feel something special is happening in that place. So, that they're they're feeling the move of the Holy Spirit. They're feeling encouraged in their journey. They're feeling like this is a place where they can ask hard questions about faith, where they're they're learning, they're growing. Um, But it's only filling them up and having that experience so that we can be sent out. And so, because Mm -hmm. we don't just dream of a place that we gather, but a place that we scatter from. And we we dream of making a huge difference in our community. And what I mean by that is like, I mean, we want people to know that they're loved by God through us. And so um, we want to make a difference in people's lives. So when people are hurting or they're lonely or they're depressed or they're anxious, that if they know a follower of Jesus from Clear Creek Community Church, then they know, okay, wow, this person is bringing me some some gospel care. They're, mm-hmm. they're loving me. They're pointing me to Jesus. They're giving me hope. They're praying over me. They're sharing scriptures with me. And so we want to make a difference in our community individually, but also just through the systems and the corporations and the organizations in our community, how can we go in and help make our city a better place? You know, and it might just be by, you know, putting some fresh dirt down somewhere where nobody could put some fresh dirt down, or it mm-hmm. might be by cleaning up a building, or it might be working with some of our go local partners that have a pregnancy aid center or a food bank or other places. So well, that's kind of, that's what we dream about. We mm-hmm. dream about a people that aren't just gathered together. But we're we're out there. We're making a difference in our community, and just the generational impact that comes with all of those type of things. Like we're from generations after generation after generation. Marriages are healthier, kids are healthier, communities are healthier, and um, the gospel of Jesus goes forth. Hmm. Well, I love that, and I think it's a really great way to end because really, you. I mean, I just want people to know how well you model what your hope is for your church in your own life with going out and just displaying the kingdom and inviting people into it everywhere you go. So um, I'm really grateful for you, for your patience and your passion as our campus pastor. You're my pastor and I love you so much. And I'm grateful that you're here today. Thank you, Rachel. Appreciate that. It's good to be here with you. Thank you guys so much for listening today. I hope this conversation was helpful. If you want to watch the video of this podcast or share it with a friend, you can find it at clearcreekresources.org, where you can also find articles, music, and a lot more. Again, I'm Rachel. Thanks so much for joining us today.